Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Dope Black Women podcast. This is a safe digital sisterhood for black women around the world. These are our stories and our voices. This week, we're talking about women's safety. Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Dope Black Women podcast. I'm your girl Livs, and in this week's episode, we're talking about women's safety. Now, in the last couple of weeks, I'm sure you've heard the news story surrounding Sabina Nessa, a 28-year-old teacher from South London who was murdered a few minutes from her home on a Saturday evening. And it didn't feel like that long ago we covered the tragic death of Sarah Everard on this podcast and what conversations that news story has sparked around male violence. Dope Black Women is a safe space for all black and brown bodies and it was important to me to give Sabina's story the same level of attention. So today I have two amazing guests joining me and as usual I'll allow them to introduce themselves. Thank you for having me. I'm Annie Gibbs and I am the vice chair of the Kidbrook Forum and I'm also the founder of um, Amour Destine, a community interest company that supports black and black mixed race women and girls who have been affected by trauma in care or domestic abuse and sexual violence. Um, I am also a pioneer at Safe Lives. Hi, I'm so honoured to be here. Thanks for having me. I am Simone Yasmin. Um, I run a platform called Ethereal Truth, where I do a lot of anti-racism advocacy, um, advocacy for female rights, women's rights, um, and I'm also a spoken word artist. I tend to channel a lot of what's happening into society through poetry and give voice to it that way. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode. I know it's not an easy conversation to have and it is quite a difficult conversation, but it's never felt more important. Um, So I want to start with, you know, just talking about Sabina Nessa and how this story affected both of you. You know, what was your kind of reaction to hearing about it? And yeah, what what impact did it have on both of you, really? So for me... um... My initial reaction, because I'm a resident here in the village and it happened literally just at the bottom of my road, I was just kind of in utter shock um, and disbelief that something like that would happen where I live. Um, And I was just so, so, so sad that no one was talking about it. It really just frustrated me um, to the point that I decided I wanted to do something about it. Um, So I took to Twitter um, 
and had a, a bit of a rant um, about the fact that no one was talking about this human that existed, you know, uh, amongst us um, and how she has a family um, and that we should be helping the police to raise awareness about this because they were appealing um, to the public um, to come forward with information. And that's kind of how I responded to it. And then I decided that we needed to honour her and to respect her life and started to arrange a vigil um, for her. So that's that's how it's um, taken taken toll on, on my life. Um, and our community, um, we're such a loving community. Um, I've been saying this a lot the last week, but we really are. And I think we demonstrated that on Friday when we were able to come together to celebrate her life um, and show her family that actually people really care um, and to stand up against violence. Um, but yeah, I'm heartbroken. Every day my emotions are different. I'm gonna not gonna lie. Some days I just wanna cry all day. Um, and in other days, I just want to just fight the world and make sure that everyone knows her name. <laughs> um, but that's how it's affected me because I have a child, I have a daughter. And the fact that I had to find out through my child um, just really just, yeah, it was it was not nice. Um, and so I just can't imagine how her family must be feeling uh, right mm. now. Simone, I mean, you're someone who you use your platform to openly talk about racism, women's rights, feminism, like, you know, you, you kind of deal these with these issues head on. But when a news story like this comes out that is so shocking and so devastating, I mean, what effect does that does that have on you and, and the work you do? It's it's a really tricky one, actually. I think, Annie, what you said about feeling heartbroken is exactly how I felt when I saw it. I think... It's just that same feeling of like, again, especially when you're in that work and you're picking up on these stories all the time and you're advocating out there doing work and it's it kind of makes all your work feel a bit worthless in a sense. It's like we had this a few months ago and we had it a year ago and we had it five years ago and here we are again. So it's it's extremely frustrating, um, but I don't like... I try not to let the anger take away from the situation at the same time because it's very frustrating, but also... She was a person and I don't want my anger for all the past situations in society to overshadow her as a person, a full human being. Um, so it is just really difficult. And I kind of, when I saw it, I was like, where do I start? Like, what do I say that I haven't said already? Where where do I go from here? Because it's just, it's happening so frequently. Um, and to women of colour more so. And yeah, it's just disbelief <laughs> I'm like still thinking how do I feel it's just it's really hard to put into words but there's like a knot in my stomach um and I don't really know how to describe it but that is exactly how I felt when I saw it it's just again um and I don't have kids Annie um but I'm quite young myself and I have a little, little sister so in that same way I'm thinking about her I'm thinking about myself my friends her friends that are out um they're just so young um and not knowing the dangers especially she's a young black woman and I don't think she realizes yet the weight that comes with all that um so just kind of fearful for her and others around me at the same time mm. and I'm sure you know having a young sister having a daughter you know there's that constant 
push and pull between wanting to give the best advice possible, wanting them to be safe and practical, but also you don't want them to be scared of the world. Exactly. And you don't want them to hurt their skin. No, Mm. exactly. Annie, how do you find that balance as a parent? (sighs) I mean, as Simone quite, you know, rightly said, like it's, this has happened again. And, you know, we're, we're we're living in, you know, a world where harm is happening all the time. It's not just, you know, on on road, it's it's in people's homes, it's in the workplace, it's in schools. So for me, I always just try to keep a really open dialogue with my daughter just to make sure that, you know, she fully understands what 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 is going on in this world in regards to like people that are harmful and that she understands where you know, she can be looking after herself and, you know, where she can also be open with me um, because a lot of abuse of some of the women that I support, um, you know, have gone silent for many, many years as a result of not knowing, you know, how to get support or um, in fear of, you know, their perpetrators if they speak out. So I just try to make sure that my daughter understands that, you know, she she can speak to me, um, she can speak to her aunt, um, and that fundamentally it's it's okay for her to want to look after herself um, when she's out on road with her friends. I mean. She's she's a pretty sensible human being. She's not one of those young people who is out a lot um, late at night anyway. So I suppose that that's quite helpful for me. Um, but at the same time, I don't want her to be not living her life um, because she's worried that something bad is going to happen to her if she is out late at night. So it's just balance, really. It's a realm of work that you're familiar with and it's a topic that you're familiar with. But how did you go about planning a vigil? Like, how does one, you know, people that, I mean, let's be honest, if this happens again, you know, think I want to do something, I need to do something, you know, where do you start? And and what have you learned about, you know, putting on a kind of a public event of that of that kind? Mm, I mean, first of all, that's the first time I've ever organised such a big um, event um, and for me I went to my community first um, and like I said before I'm the vice chair of the Kibbert Forum so I reached out to the other board members to see who would be able to, to support and then also we have um, a, a mutual aid group here which was set up during Covid to help with um, supporting people that were self-isolating and needed like shopping and medicine so I reached out to them as well I was part of that group as well so we all just kind of worked together um, to organise the vigil um, and it was a huge undertaking so we did it in three days um, but if I could give any advice to anyone is just to make sure that you, you know, accept support and help and um, especially from like the local local council because I had I was quite lucky in that we had the local police very much wanting to support and be involved um our 
Kid Development Trust and Berkeley Homes, they were very much wanting to be involved as well. Um, it was something which we were just constantly just working in autopilot, um, you know, just to get it get it done um and so that it was done respectfully um and to make sure that the family you know were were happy um with what we were doing so it was a real learning experience so if anybody is i hope never has to um organize a vigil um i hope i never have to um because it's it's yeah it's not a nice pleasant experience to have to do something because somebody's life has been taken um because you're having to also juggle lots of people's emotions um and also for me um it's i'm not used to the media i'm quite a private person and you know being having constant kind of communications from like journalists and things i found that extremely overwhelming and um you probably noticed I probably stayed away from a lot and I generally just passed it on to members of the community to do interviews because I just, yeah, I just wasn't happy um, with doing that. Um, and that was the best way that I could kind of like get myself through the week until I got to Friday and when I knew that I had to say something because everybody was waiting for me to say something um, and I wanted to send out a very strong clear message um, that this event is going to be about honouring someone who lived you know um, and and just celebrating and standing in solidarity and so I did speak to a few journalists then so if there's any advice I can give to anybody who um is may you know organize a vigil and it be quite um high profile in 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 the what similar to like what i've just um delivered is that perhaps it's okay for you to 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 pass things on you know to other people to support you um because that's the best way it's all about delivering the best you know outcome for that family for that person um so don't feel like you have to do it alone like people actually want to help um so that's one thing that i would um say to anyone that is considering doing it um and make sure that you look after yourself and i found it really hard to make sure i kept myself fed and watered because i just wanted to just get it done um yeah just look after yourself make sure that you check in on yourself check in on each other um and yeah that's that's what i would say um to anyone you know you should be so proud of yourself for for doing you know work like this and and being part of an event like this especially if like you said you're someone who you know doesn't particularly like being in the spotlight or having media attention i think it was so powerful and the images and the footage that come out of it has been, you know, so I guess heartwarming to see, even though, you know, it shouldn't, it, it feels obviously so much tinged with sadness. It was amazing to see crowds come together in that way. Um, mm. So, I, I mean, Simone, I, I think some of this crosses over with, you know, the work that you do and I, I guess what advice would you, would you give or what would you pass on about, you know, being someone who wants to talk about these things and bring attention to them, but also the importance of self-care. 
Yeah, it's really difficult to strike that balance, I think. I think even if you yourself send to self-care, as soon as you put things out there or put your views out there, you have like trolls or you have people that don't agree with you. Um, or equally, you can have people who might be going through something similar and just kind of offload a bit because they need to be heard, um, which obviously you want to engage in those conversations, but it can be quite heavy. Um, I find it quite heavy sometimes when I'm speaking to lots of different people about their similar experiences to situations that are quite deep. Um, so I think it's always important to say, if you can, if you feel you have, a, well, everybody has a voice, but if you feel you can voice it, if you feel comfortable enough to voice it, then I'd always say to speak up and speak out. Um, but it is so essential to prioritise self-care and just to to, to stick, take a step back. I'm not sure who said it, but one of my favourite quotes is sometimes rest is resistance. And sometimes that's all like you need. You don't have to be on the front lines protesting. You, sometimes you just need to take care of yourself. And that's as much as resistance as being out there and holding the placards. Um, so I think it's really important to try and strike that balance. It's, it's a lot, it's definitely easier said than done, <laughs> um, but it is really important to do. And I think when you do a lot of online work, it's important to set boundaries. Um, like I keep saying, I'm going to make a highlight on my Instagram for boundaries so that um, people know what they can approach me with and can't approach me with because I will speak about everything on my platform, but it doesn't mean that I always want to engage in conversations about that. Sometimes it can be quite close to home. Um, so I think it's important to set boundaries um, and obviously <laughs> make, make it known where the line is um, because it can be really difficult and with online work and social media and things like that it's 24-7 so it's not like it switches off at any point or if you go to a protest and you walk away and that's it, it is all the time and with people connecting in different time zones and everything it's just really difficult to to switch off um, and disconnect from that sometimes so yeah self-care is so essential I think. Mm. I mentioned before that um, you know intersectional feminism is one of the key things about your work Simone and I guess um, you know I want to open up the conversation around what Sabina's story and the way it's been treated tells us more widely about the way that women of colour are treated by the media and in and in society because, um, you know, we're talking now so much about, you know, remembering her as a person and her life. And, you know, it felt like the media was slow to pick up on that. You know, what is it, what, what it, was it like for you guys to see that play out? How did it make you feel as people that work in this, in this area? I don't think it was surprising um, because we've seen this before, but I, I think it was just really disappointing given the reaction that people had to Sarah Everard earlier in the year, how quick the media was with that and just how quickly, or like how many vigils were organised. There was so much that was happening and so many people talking about it and not just on social media, which it seemed like happened here initially before it hit um, the media. It was actually in the news. It was headlines everywhere um, and just lots of people speaking about it and doing what they could to help. Whereas here, it was kind of too little, too late. Um, it wasn't picked up on. It wasn't publicised in the same way. So, like, the situation itself was heartbreaking, but then to see the reaction or the lack of reaction compared to the mass reaction we saw earlier this year just, like, yet again tells us that black and brown women and women of colour seem to matter less um, to people in the public eye or in society. And it's, it's just extremely frustrating to see time and time again. 
Yeah, so for me, like I said earlier, like my initial reaction was just why is no one sharing this police information? I just I just could not understand like Simone said when you know God bless her soul, Sarah Everard, when she part when she went missing, that day she went missing, the nation stood up and wanted to hold her perpetrator to account. And I couldn't understand why three days had passed and nobody even knew that Sabina's life had been taken. You know, that hurt. That really hurt me, you know. And and that's why I, um, I, act, I responded in the way that I did because I thought, well, she deserves also to find her perpetrator just as quickly as everybody else wanted Sarah Everard's to be held to account. Um, and if nobody else is gonna start talking about it, then I'm gonna start. Um, and I agree, Simone, I think the way, the energy that um, is given to black and, and, and Asian women is so different to the energy um, that is, is is given in across all, things it's not just violence against women it's it's all things um in our society you know where we just don't get that's that kind of exposure and that um that awareness um as equally as you know white women and um, one of our women in the community screenshotted the day when i took to twitter she screenshotted how many posts so she did like a hashtag sabina nessa on instagram she put and, and she saw there was only three posts that day the following day it had gone up to over a thousand and you know it just goes to show you that on day three only three posts had been made on instagram acknowledging that there's somebody's life had been taken and I said to her I said to Amy what what made you screenshot that just out of interest because that's pretty genius like that's really amazing that you did that and she said because she just wanted to just highlight highlight like how how our people are what our people are experiencing in terms of care in our world that we live in like the love and attention and care towards our issues is very 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 different in regards to wider society issues and and it's 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 a shame um but i'm hoping that you know as a result of what we've just experienced this last week that this is going to be a lesson that this is going to teach us a better way so that if anything is happening again within our communities that our voices are getting heard just as equally as other communities voices and that is my hope um that that out of this that we've really really learned this time because yeah her life her life matters her family matter and her story needs to be told. Um, and that's what I really want people to start doing now. I want to stop hearing about, you know, politic politics and everything that's going on right now in the media. I know that we have these issues um, with violence against women, but these issues are not going to change overnight. And it's going to require a lot of... A, like a lot of people's kind of 
change in mindset, societies change uh, and how we approach things. But fundamentally, we should be really just talking about this human being that's life's just been taken and who was she what were her aspirations what were her favorite things to do like I want us to start actually just honoring her um but yeah yeah I mean it's interesting that your friend screenshotted um you know, the reaction online in, in the third day and the fact that you kind of have that almost that evidence because I don't know about you two, but so often when we talk about racism in this country, there's so much gaslighting that goes on. You know, we're told that it's something that is so hard to measure because it's like it's a personal experience. And, you know, this is how I feel. And you can't tell me that that wasn't racist. But in this case, your friend is like, look, like you can see the reaction compared to in previous cases. Um, and it's it's kind of shocking when you kind of have it in front of you almost. Exactly, exactly. And I didn't even know that she'd done that until a few days ago. <laughs> Literally, she, yeah. <laughs> mm. um, I want to ask about, you know, how this case and how the conversation surrounding it had a, had a personal impact on you. Because, um, I mean, when we started recording this, it was just gone 730 it's September and it is pitch black outside. And, you know, for a lot of people going for an evening walk should be something enjoyable. It should be something, you know, to clear your mind and to kind of have time to yourself. And practically speaking, most people can't do that during the day. They have to do it in the evenings. Mm. And, you know, I'm someone who goes for walks and it kind of feels like I can't even enjoy the walk anymore because I'm constantly looking over my shoulder. I don't feel like I can play music anymore. So it's kind of like, well, what's the point? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not the point. And yeah. I just, yeah, how, how do you feel like it kind of has affected your lives and the way you move through the world where you hear stories like Sabina's? I personally feel that it's not actually impacted it that much. And I know that sounds really strange, but only because because this has happened before and I feel like I do everything. Like, I walk with a vape alarm, I have earphones in, but I don't listen to music, have keys in my pocket ready just in case. Like, I'm already hyper-vigilant and taking all these steps and it's like, I, I don't know what more I can do. Um, so I'm obviously going to be a bit more a bit more cautious, definitely. Um, but things like, like now, I already wouldn't go out now for a walk because I can see that it's dark and I already wouldn't feel safe. So if anything, it's just kind of deepened what I already knew and it's going to make me more vigilant. But it's like that thing of like, what more can women do? Because we're already doing all these things and taking these precautions and we've done the vape alarms and we've done the extra street lights in parts and we've done the not walking home when it's dark or calling a friend, like we've done everything to death. And I don't know what else I can do to make myself safer. And to be honest, I don't think that the onus is on women. I don't think there's anything that we can be doing or should be doing. Um, and if, if there is, we're probably already doing it because we all know how it feels. We've all seen these stories before, whether that is um, with a wom woman of colour or a white woman, it still puts that same fear inside of us. Um, yeah, I think I've been impacted by it so much in the past that it's like, I, I don't know what else I can do, mm. really. Yeah, I'm the same, Simone. I mean, it's initially... Um, 
the way that the community was so supportive here you know people were offering to walk together so you weren't feeling like you know you couldn't leave your house unsafe um i couldn't go anywhere near that area which is literally just at the bottom of my road i found it even on saturday morning even though everything's been cleared i had to get somebody to come and meet me on so i'm gonna get emotional now sorry um i had to get someone to meet me on the side just to walk a couple of moments over the hill to the community center to sign the book of condolence and and that's not the way that I live my life. I'm not someone who's generally quite afraid um, to walk around on my own. But um, I'm hoping that over time, um, I won't feel so afraid. Um, like you, I don't, you know, walk around with my headphones in anymore, which is very unusual because music is my life. And everywhere I go, I always have my headphones on um but just for now um i'm just trying to keep myself safe and i hear you simone like we shouldn't be having to keep ourselves safe um and you know the focus needs to be on tackling the harmful behaviors and i think that's something that we haven't done enough of um especially from like government um they you know they are saying that you know we have a perpetrator strategy and there are organizations that are tackling perpetrator behavior but the majority of the focus is always on strategies to help us keep ourselves safe um where i think they really just need to really refresh and invest more time in helping people who harm to stop harming other people because i think that's the only way that we're going to be able to feel that we've moved forward a little bit in in regards to being safe um and that's safe in our homes safe as i said earlier in schools safe in our workplaces because you know as we know it's not just walking down the street where somebody can harm us you know people are being harmed in all of those places and even by their own family members so it's it requires a complete entire approach um looking at all those harmful behaviors and what are organizations to do to tackle them and how can we improve how they're supporting those that harm well you know thank you Annie um and please don't please don't ever apologize for getting emotional about this you know it, it is an emotional topic and it's one that that does affect us so deeply because it feels like it could be us or it could be our sister or it could be someone we know you know the the odds are kind of against us on that front um I mean, and it's interesting you spoke about, you know, what do we do next and where do we go from here? And I guess um, I want to know what what you two, what your take on this is. But I suppose for me, I'm just I'm really interested in just rape culture being something that everyone talks about, that it's something, you know, people feel like does affect them is and, and is a part of their lives and something they should, you know, be aware is there. And I, you know, I think about instances like when I first started dating my boyfriend who's like six foot three and you know well built and when we kind of were first started dating and it was dark and I went home one way and he went home the other way mm. 
And I would always say to him, like, oh, text me when you get home. And he'd be like, why? Like, why would I do that? And I'd be like, mm. he doesn't realise how naturally that just comes to me. Where If I'm out with someone and it's, and it's at night mm. to say, text me when you get home and to feel like I need to know that. And it just made me realise, like, how mm. different our totally. lives are totally. on just, like, yeah. every level. Definitely. Totally. I agree. I think a big part of it, like you say, is starting to unpack work culture. I just think it's so embedded. Um, I did a post a few weeks ago about when people post online about experiences of sexual abuse, sexual violence, and they're like out in the perpetrator. Um, it tends to be in a lot of uni groups. Um, girls or students will post images of a guy that might have followed them home or something like that just to raise awareness and let other girls know if you see this guy, be careful, that sort of thing. And there is always, always, always immature guys in the comments tagging their friends like, oh, you're at it again. Or, oh, I thought you'd stop this. Or, oh, um, what are we going to do about it this time? And it's it, it's just like it doesn't even register with them that it's taken so much for this girl or whoever to post something so vulnerable and so triggering for them. And then you're just joking about it like it's nothing. And nothing ever happens to those comments. They get loads of likes. People are laughing about them. And I just think you don't even realise how much you're enabling like rape culture or how deeply embedded it is. It's, it's to them, it's just a joke. And I think that disconnect between like where the jokes stop and start, it's like that thing, um, you know, like back in primary school when boys would pick on you and you'd be told, oh, they're only mean to you because they like you. But then it's like, when does that stop and how far does that go? when is it he's just picking on you and when is it that that's abuse because if that's the culture that you're always raised in you're never going to be able to draw that distinction so these guys that are just like seeing them as little jokes and little laughs with their friends these jokes have massive implications and like how's the girl that's posted that post going to feel when she's looking through these comments of you just laughing about it so I think there needs to be something I don't know what it is but something that stops normalising rape culture because it's just so deeply embedded that people don't even realise when they're saying things or making jokes that Mm. that's what it's feeding into yeah it's kind of like you know people who I guess don't understand this perspective or it's something that they haven't experienced you know like you said they they see it as two very different things when actually it's all part of well, that's the whole idea of culture, that it's not just one thing, it's it's a culture and other things allow other things to happen. It's kind of, you know, it's sort of um, really simple example is when you're, I'm sure we've all had experiences where you're in a club and a guy touches the small of your back or your bum as he brushes past you. And especially as a black woman, you know, if I turn around and say, what the fuck are you doing? Immediately, it's going to be like that angry black woman you know, label is going to be put on me when actually it's like, what are you doing? Like, there's no reason to touch me in that scenario. And you're not touching the men in here. So like, don't <laughs> act like it was just you trying to get past. Like, exactly. I hate that bullshit so much. And you could have touched the shoulder if you needed to touch anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or they're, or they're, or they'll say to you, you think that you're too nice or, yeah, you know, um, by talking up and and calling them out on their behaviour, and that attitude really does need to change. And that that attitude can't come from us as women; it has to come from men. So, 
you know, other men, you know, speaking out against that kind of behaviour um, is is going to be massive help, massively helpful. And I think also, you know, getting into our schools, our education system, and having a huge focus on teaching our young people about healthy relationships and, you know, what you know, is kind of acceptable and what's respectful in regards to how we treat each other, because that fundamentally is the disconnect, isn't it? It's that kind of um, expectancy and ownership that, you know, some of our men have over us as women, because as society, women have always been seen as, you know, the less kind of stronger sex if that makes sense and not the leader that doesn't take the lead in things and you know her career doesn't have to you know take take front seat um over a male and I think that's coming a lot from sort of patriarchal um societies that we've that has been before us so it's breaking down lots of that I think um and I do think that we have made some progress so although we've had all these um horrible um things happen to us recently you know things i i definitely have seen some some changes in in some people's behaviors um myself so we can only hope that that can just continue to improve i think one of the things um that i've seen definitely changed in the in the last few years is the the impact that community and that social media is having. So I will see online, you know, um, sort of petitions for missing people and often young black girls who go go missing so often and is so underreported. You know, I see those advertisements online more than anyone else, which I guess tells you a lot about what mass media and what, you know, most media companies deem important I guess but at the same time I don't know if you guys have a similar a take on this at the same time it does feel it does feel worrying sometimes when you know you see an Instagram story saying you know have you seen this this young girl vulnerable she's gone missing and then you never hear a follow-up you know it's hard to to you know kind of get to closure when that where you never find out if that girl was found or what happened with it, and because the media isn't paid attention, you know, it just becomes another story that goes into the ether. I'm sure, I, what do you guys think about that kind of thing? I found myself very invested, like you say, because you want to know if they've been found, what the situation is. So I, it obviously doesn't always happen, but I'll save the post and then I'll go back because sometimes they update the captions or a family member will be in the comments like, this person has been found. Oh, I'm just trawling hashtags to try and find because, like you say, when the mainstream media isn't reporting on it, where do you go to find that information? And you don't want to, like, hound the person that's posted about it. So <laughs> what do you do to try to find out? Um, and that's the thing. It's just really upsetting because if these things were publicised or if they were in the media, we'd have regular updates. Like when you go on, um, for, in the case of Sarah Everard, for example, when we Googled her, um like all the kind of mainstream um media outlets were showing like you know when they do the timelines and you can see what's what we know at this point at this point we know this at this point we know this the next day we found this and you know step by step a follow through but we never get anything like that so i think 
although like we say social media doesn't always give us closure we find a lot from there and I know there's pages on Instagram like there's one called missing black people and it's sad that there has to be pages like that but also I know that there is somebody that's doing the work and somebody that is putting those stories out there and trying to find these people um when it's not being shown in the media and not being and sometimes I think that actually pushing it on social media is what gets it to the mainstream media when loads of people are talking about it so it's frustrating that it has to like go through that route rather than when it should be the other way around but us speaking about it on social media and using the hashtags and getting it trending is what push like they can't ignore (laughs) um when it's blowing up on social media the news can't not cover it um so I think yeah it's a bit of a a love-hate relationship with finding it on social media but I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't get rid of the tool because otherwise we'd just be so much more in the dark this would there's already so much of our history that is hidden so there'd be so much of our present that we wouldn't be seeing as well I want to end this episode by trying to you know look forward and look to the future and what might be possible so what would you both say is something that you want to see change in society in general um you know what are the things that you think would make a difference and can make a difference and also what are the messages that you would want our young people to hear and to know I know you both have young people in your life you know your sister and your daughter so what what do you want them to know I think what I want to see is less looking at how to make us safer and more looking at why we aren't safe like Annie was saying going back to these wrong behaviours and these abusive behaviours not looking at giving us rape alarms or Boris's idea of putting more street lamps in parks like actually looking at why we're not safe and why you need to put these things in um that little phrase the prevention is better than cure just giving us a rape alarms is kind of a and it's not even a cure it's like it's not even a temporary fix I don't know what to call it Mm. (laughs) it's a little like stopgap thing it's a um, (laughs) band-aid yeah (laughs) a very weak one that comes off when it gets wet (laughs) (laughs) um it's just (laughs) it's not a permanent fix um I think a lot of it is to do with education um when I was at school I know that boys got away with so much so so much and even if I went to teachers and spoke to them I remember going to a teacher and telling them that there was one boy that shoved his hand up his my skirt as I was walking up the stairs and another one had put his hand up my top and I went to tell the teacher and I was in there for ages speaking about it and they said to me look these boys are just young we don't want to ruin their futures you like basically don't report it because they're so young this could have a massive impact on them and I was sat there thinking, well, what about the impact that this is having on me every day when I'm walking through these corridors? So stop protecting boys that don't need to be protected. And the whole, like, boys will be boys phrase is ridiculous because it just allows them to get away with so much. And also, like, when people say um, it's only boys that behave like that, not men, and that suggests that it's it's only a young thing when it's not again it's phrases like this that just allow things to go unchecked so I think we need to call more things out and there just needs to be a a lot more education on it and lower down school because I don't know for some reason people seem to think these things only happen when you get older but actually it starts so early and the little signs the comments or the I don't know sticking hands up girls skirts things like that 
need to be checked so early because you don't know how they can go where they could go and where they could progress um so I guess on that advice to my sister would be to call it out and if she was in the situation that I was in when I was at school and younger I'd say report it (laughs) forget about those boys and their future what about your future and how it's going to impact on you um you can't kind of like put yourself in a detrimental position because you're protecting perpetrators or doing what people think um, is like the right way to go about it because yeah I think there's just so often and so many times that people are protected when they shouldn't be like an unrelated case but like in the case of R. Kelly look at how long that went unchecked and black girls were just being continuously harmed and there was no repercussions until now and even now that he's been found guilty he's not sentenced to a year later so it's just this long long process when all these girls have been hurt um so yeah I'd say don't like compromise on your own feelings if you know it's wrong then call Mm. it out yeah so I'd echo everything that Simone says and what I'd add to it is that you know people that are in positions of responsibility you know to use their platforms responsibly um because especially with young people they look up to entertainers um you know in you know in media and I think that they model their behaviours and they kind of receive, you know, what's right and what's wrong in terms of behaviours from what they're seeing from from people that they are inspired by, you know. So I think people that are, um, you know, in those kind of responsible positions should be responsible and to sort of be the ones to kind of highlight, you know, these behaviours that are wrong um, send that strong message. I think, you know, it's really important for us to support our young women and boys to understand, you know, the importance of having a healthy relationship with yourself and having a relationship with other people and what that looks like. Um, and that comes from the home, that comes from education, it comes from all different, um, you know, areas of like society. And it's not just a responsibility of, of one place. It has to come from um, various different places. And I think seeing that that solidarity on Friday highlights that, it's possible for us to work together. Um, so that's what I'd like to see a lot more of, of us working together. Let's really just take on board the what everybody's got to give and, and, and help each other to be more loving, more understanding, more respectful. Um, and yeah, and that's what I'd... I'd 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 want to tell my daughter as well. I mean, I'd tell her anyway that she's amazing. Let's keep telling our young people that they're incredible and that their voice matters and that nobody has the right to, you know, challenge who they want to be in terms of, like, what they want to achieve in life. And I think just focusing on those things, I think, is really quite important to me um, and just to be good. Um, so, yeah. That's my last message. Amazing. Well, I think that's a beautiful way to end. Um, Thank you both 
so much for taking the time to record with me today I really appreciate it oh it's my pleasure and thank you so much for your time and getting us together and holding this really important discussion um i think we need to have these discussions more openly within our community um so yeah thank you so much and sending you lots of love and energy as you continue to to do the great work that you do live so blessings to you Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you found it informative and interesting and took something away from it as well. Don't forget to follow Dope Black Women and everything we do on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Till next time, take care and stay blessed. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.